Welcome to a new episode of the Clinical Guidelines in Primary Care podcast. My name is Fernando Florido and I am a GP in the United Kingdom. In this podcast, I will go through the nice clinical knowledge summary on Bell's palsy, which was last revised in May 2019. It covers the diagnosis, management and prescribing information. As ever, all information is correct at the time of recording. I hope that you enjoy the episode. Bell's palsy is an acute unilateral facial nerve weakness or paralysis of rapid onset, usually less than 72 hours, and unknown cause. The herpes simplex virus, varicella zoster virus, and autoimmunity may contribute to it, but the significance of these factors remain unclear. Bell's palsy affects 20 to 30 people per 100,000 each year, it is most common between 15 and 45 years of age. Complications include eye injury, facial pain, dry mouth, intolerance to loud noises, abnormal facial muscle contraction during voluntary movements and psychological sequelae. A diagnosis of Bell's palsy can be made when no other medical condition is found to be causing facial weakness or paralysis. Routine Laboratory tests and diagnostic imaging are not required in primary care for new onset Bell's palsy. We must take a history and perform a focused examination of the scalp, ears, mastoid region, parotid glands, oral cavity, eyes and cranial nerves to identify features suggesting an alternative cause of facial palsy. Typical symptoms include Rapid onset, usually less than 72 hours. Facial muscle weakness, almost always unilateral, involving the upper and lower parts of the face. This causes a reduction in movement of the affected side, often with drooping of the eyebrow and corner of the mouth and loss of the nasal labial fold. Ear and postericular region pain on the affected side. Difficulty chewing, dry mouth and changes in taste. Incomplete eye closure, dry eye, eye pain or excessive tearing. Numbness or tingling of the cheek and or the mouth. Speech articulation problems, drooling and hyperacusis. Features of a typical Bell's palsy require referral for exclusion of an alternative diagnosis. These atypical features are insidious and painful onset, gradual progression is more likely to be associated with a neoplastic or infectious cause of facial palsy, a progressive and prolonged, usually more than three months, duration of symptoms with frequent relapses, indicative of neoplastic process. Predisposing factors for facial palsy, for example, previous stroke, brain tumour, parotid tumour, skin cancers of the head and face, or facial trauma. Any systemic illness or fever. Vestibular or hearing abnormalities other than hyperacusis, otorrhea, diplopia or dysphagia. Sparing of the forehead movements which may indicate an upper motor neuron lesion such as stroke, 
and bilateral signs which may be indicative of Lyme's disease or sarcoidosis. Lower motor neuron lesions such as Bell's palsy do not spare the upper face. Also typical is a recurrent episode. Also paralysis of individual branches of the facial nerve or other cranial nerve involvement and parotid gland masses, vesicular skin rashes and lesions suggestive of a skin cancer. In terms of management for those aged 16 and onwards, we must reassure the person that the prognosis is good. Most people with Bell's palsy make a full recovery within three to four months. To manage Bell's palsy, we must give advice that the person should keep the affected eye lubricated by using lubricating eye drops during the day and ointment at night. The eye should be taped close at bedtime using macroporous tape if the ability to close the eye at night is impaired. If they experience eye irritation, pain or vision changes, they should seek immediate medical advice. If facial weakness or paralysis affects eating, we must suggest using a straw for liquids and advise eating soft foods. We must offer the person written advice on the condition too. In terms of medication, for people presenting within 72 hours of the onset of symptoms, the prescription of prednisolone should be considered. There is no consensus regarding the optimum dosing regimen, but options include giving 50 mg daily for 10 days or giving 60 mg daily for 5 days followed by a daily reduction in dose of 10 mg for a total treatment time of 10 days if a reducing dose is preferred. Antiviral treatments alone are not recommended. Antiviral treatment in combination with a corticosteroid may be of small benefit but we must seek specialist advice if this is being considered. Referral to a facial nerve specialist should be arranged if there is doubt about the diagnosis or if there is either no improvement after three weeks of treatment or incomplete recovery five months after the onset of initial symptoms such as symptoms of aberrant renovation including gustatory sweating or jaw winking five months or more after the onset of Bell's palsy for a neurological assessment and possible treatment and also if there are any atypical features. Referral to an ophthalmologist is needed if the person has eye symptoms, for example pain, irritation or itch. Referral for further support or counselling should be considered if there are emotional consequences of persistent facial paralysis or paresis. We must refer urgently to an appropriate specialist, people with facial nerve palsy and worsening of existing neurological findings or new neurological findings, features suggestive of an upper motor neuron cause, for example, limparesis, facial paresthesia or cranial nerve involvement, features suggestive of cancer, for example, gradual onset of symptoms, persistent facial paralysis for more than six months, pain in the distribution of the facial nerve, head or neck lesions suggestive of cancer, history of head and neck cancer or hearing loss on the affected side. 
also if there's systemic or severe local infection or trauma. In terms of differential diagnosis, other causes of facial weakness and paralysis include stroke, usually the forehead is spared, extremities often affected, brain tumour with a possible history of cancer, mental state changes, gradual onset, a traumatic injury to the facial nerve, for example basal skull fracture or as a consequence of surgery, suggested by history and signs such as bruises or scars, facial nerve tumour, skin cancer, parotid tumours, uh, they may only affect certain branches of the facial nerve and the onset of symptoms is gradual, may be painful. Also infectious causes such as herpes simplex, giving history of fever and malaise, Lyme disease may cause bilateral symptoms, otitis media, giving otalgia, conductive hearing loss, gradual onset, mastoiditis, normally the mastoid region is tender or swollen, Cholesteatoma, there's foul smelling otorrhea and hearing loss. Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, pain followed by vesicular rash of the pinna or in the ear canal or pharynx. It is usually associated with sensory neural hearing loss. Encephalitis, meningitis, often giving headache and neck stiffness. HIV, normally showing fever, malaise, CD count. Syphilis, normally showing other neurological and skin symptoms and signs, and glandular fever. It can also be non-infectious, such as diabetes, multiple sclerosis, which normally gives intermittent symptoms and show additional neurological symptoms. Guillain-Barre, normally ascending paralysis, weakness of hands and feet and then trunk. Sarcoidosis is another cause. Symptoms may be bilateral and there would be suggestive laboratory test results. Now, I've added a little bit of extra guidance and the basis for recommendation in respect of antiviral treatment combined with corticosteroids. Now, combined corticosteroids and antiviral treatment is not routinely recommended for people with Bell's palsy because there is insufficient evidence to support its use compared with corticosteroids alone. A Cochrane systematic review with a search date of October 2014 showed that when compared with corticosteroids alone, low quality evidence indicated a benefit of combined antiviral and corticosteroid treatment in terms of incomplete recovery. Also, um, Published guidelines differ in their recommendation on combined corticosteroid and antiviral treatment. A Canadian clinical practice guideline advises not to combine corticosteroids and antiviral treatment for people with mild to moderate severity Bell's palsy, but suggests their use if there is severe to complete paresis. The American Academy of otolaryngology head and neck surgery guideline gives clinicians the option of offering antiviral treatment in addition to oral corticosteroids within 72 hours for people with Bell's palsy on the basis that there is a small potential improvement in the function of the facial nerve, while acknowledging that there is no proven benefit from large 
high-quality clinical trials. The Guideline Development Subcommittee of the American Academy of Neurology concluded that for people with new-onset Bell's palsy, combination treatment with corticosteroids and antivirals should be offered because of the possibility of a modest improvement in recovery compared with corticosteroids alone. They noted, however, that any potential benefit is small and not well established. Although the risks and adverse effects of antiviral treatment are minimal, NICE clinical knowledge summaries recommend seeking a specialist advice if combination treatment is being considered. There is uncertainty about the optimal antiviral drug and dosing regimen. This is the end of this episode of the Clinical Guidelines in Primary Care podcast. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode and I also hope that you will join me in the next one. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.